As always, I want you to always know that I am blessed to be here and so glad that I'm here. And I'm just kind of taking up time until they, they put up my slides on the, on the deal for me, okay? There we go, fantastic. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Pastor coming back. He should be back on campus this next week, and it's going to be a big week, and I hope you get to experience some of it with VBS. Today we're talking about Hannah. Uh, that's the way the Jewish uh, culture says it. We call it Hannah, but we'll be calling her Hannah today. And she has a prayer that is so fantastic, and you're seeing it right there, that it became the paradigm of prayer called the Amidah of, of uh, the Jewish culture and, and one they would say every day. But before we get there, I want to ask you a couple of questions. One of the things I want to ask you is, oh, I need to turn this on, is do you ever feel insignificant? Do you ever feel as if God is so far away that he really can't hear you? I mean, you've got to admit, he's the all-powerful God that created the universe. And, and just a, the thing about universes, we can look from Mount Rainer here, our own personal universe, the Milky Way, what it looks like. It is beyond magnificent. And the scientists tell us there's over 100 million stars in that universe, and God knows every name of those stars. But it's not the only universe, you see. As we look, there's more universes out there. They tell us there's 51 available to the naked eye. Can you believe that? You'd have to have your spectacles for that. I know I would. But the way they put it is, is there's so many galaxies out there that they categorize them by color now. So the green ones are the one personal to me. I really like green. If you like red, they have red ones. And if you're like my wife, they like purple. They have them all. And can you imagine the number of stars in each one of those galaxies. How far away and how big is our God? Here's the thing that's really interesting to me about this is that this is true also, that your eye has more atoms than all the stars combined in all the known galaxies. How can you even imagine that kind of number? And sometimes I think to myself, when I have my little own life and I'm, I'm doing things and, and I have drama in my life or things like that, and I wonder, is there a God that can really relate to me? I know that, that God's as close to us as our heart. I know that. But sometimes I get this feeling, maybe I'm just too small. Maybe God is too busy with all the things that he has because he is magnificent beyond compare. I want to tell you today that Hannah was the kind of gal that had all of those thoughts going on in her head. She had prayed so long for a child, and I'll tell you about her situation in a minute. It was not good, to be quite honest. Hannah had prayed numerous years for a child. Now, if you know the end of the story, and I tell Christians, don't be jumping to the end of the story because you can't experience what Hannah felt. But we know that Hannah had Samuel. He is the last judge and the last prophet. They are still in the time of the judges. You remember Ruth from last week. They're in that time of judges. It's a low time spiritually for the Israelites. And he will be the last judge. And he will grow up and he will bring in and usher in the kings of Israel. Saul, the first one, and then the real one would be King David. So let's get into Hannah's story just a little bit. She was married to Elkanah. Elkanah was a man that was in the Levitical priesthood. And when he went up to Shiloh each year, of course, it was to do his service to the temple. So he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. 
And when we see this in the Bible, we realize from our standpoint that God's got something probably very special for that child. And he did. He did. But Hannah didn't know that. Year after year, she prayed and no children. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. That's where they went, where Hopni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. And these were wicked young men. They would take the money by extortion from the people and by force. They turned the temple into a brothel. They were just not good guys. And this is the time that they lived in at the end of the judges. So this is the time that Hannah finds herself in. So every year they would go up and they would have the ceremonial feast. And Elkanah would bring home the meat that was their portion for the Levitical priesthood. And he would uh, devil out the portions, one to Panina and then her children. She probably had five or six, and then himself, and then to, to Hannah. And, and, and the, the scripture tells that one year he felt sorry for Hannah because she looked pitiful because she didn't have any children. So Elkanah is going to fix it. Kind of like guys fix things, right? So I want you to notice, Penina is on the left. And so what Elkanah does is he gives Hannah a double portion. And you can see where Penina's eyes go immediately. Any competition there? It reminds me, my oldest son, Cameron, when he, was, uh, when he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, it was by his bed. He was nine years old. It was October the 9th. I'll never forget it. We've been doing the Bible stories, and he said, I, I, I want to do this. And I said, okay, we can. So October the 9th, he was nine years old. Then his brother, five years later, at nine years old, did the same thing by his bedside. We'd been doing Bible stories. He said, I, I want to accept Christ, so we can do that. When I looked back on it, it was the same date, October the 9th. Both boys, nine years old, October the 9th. And so I told them later on how wonderful this was, how fantastic this connection was. And my youngest, who's the sports player, he said, did I do it first? <laughs> yeah. There's competition there. And you can see what happens here is that Panina really looks over and says, look, she hasn't produced any children. There's, there, there's no heritage through her keeping the land. It's only through the, why would you give her a double portion? My children should have the double portion, or at least me. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival, yes, her family member, and we all know we can have family members that provoke us. Her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. There is a place in most women's heart, I'm not saying everyone, but most women's heart that can't be filled by anything but a child. And so could you imagine year after year, but day after day, Hannah seeing Panina's children and she could have none. It got so bad that her husband Elkanah said to her, because he's going to fix it, Yet again. Okay, let's watch this, men. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than ten sons to you? Let's turn it over to Judge Judy. <laughs> no, sir, you don't seem to understand. Yes, you're a man, but the fact of it is you can't fill that void in a woman's heart. You just can't. He couldn't understand and so at this point, Hannah gets so upset because she won't eat. She gets up from the table, and she heads out the door, and she's headed to the temple. 
And she goes to the temple and she kneels down to pray, as she probably has numerous times. But this time it's different. This time she's going to get real with God. The scripture says she gets brazen with God. She gets angry and she's in contention. And she's sitting there and she's praying, but she's not praying out loud. Her mouth's just moving a thousand miles a minute. And Eli sees her and thinks that she's drunk. And he says, hey, get out of here and clean up. But she's not drunk. Not at all. And with that, we've exhausted all the characters that could help Hannah. Penina's not going to give her anything. She wants stuff for herself. She wants to lift up her eyes and her children in Elkanah's view. So she's out. Elkanah, he wants to help, but he just can't understand. Guys, I just don't get it. So he's out. And the only one that she hopes to find any solace with is Eli, the high priest. And she goes and she's praying, and he thinks she's drunk. Yeah, he's out. She has no one. But does she really have no one? Because in our darkest times, in the time when we think no one is going to be there, and no one understands what Hannah's going to realize is there is one that understands. And even though she thought he's so far away and so magnificent and so holy, the Jewish scriptures say that holy is like true, more true than we could ever imagine. And when that happens, she simply pours her soul out to God. She pours it all out. She lets all of it go. She's angry. She's in anguish. Nothing has worked for her. Why is this happening to her? You ever been there? You ever been there where you think, I've tried everything, God? And like the scripture says, she lets it out. It's like you're hanging on the side of the cliff and you've got this branch there and you can't get up to the top and you're screaming out for help. Help, help, help. And then you hear a voice from the top of the cliff. Let go. And you look up and you say, who's up there? It's God. Let go. And if you're like me, you say, is anyone else up there? Yes, God can handle that. And yes, we are human. And yes, we get down. And God knows that. So when Eli says, you're drunk, get out of here, she says, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. And she continues, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. What the rabbis say there, she is unyoked. Don't be an unyoked woman, which means you don't have any responsibilities. You can just laissez-faire, do whatever you want, just go along. She said, that's not me. That would be someone that is out of control. I'm in control. I'm in reality. I'm right here. And if you want to know me, this is me right now. Have you ever done that with God? Most of the time we don't. We do this. We, we pour stuff in. But what Hannah's saying is, I haven't poured anything in. I'm pouring out. This is me. And if you really want to know me, this is part of me. She cried out to God. She was angry. She was upset. She was in anguish. But she was in control. 
She was not stepping out of reality. She said, this is my reality. Have you ever had a friend that could understand you no matter what you said? This is my quote. When you become real with someone truly real, you will be simply amazed at what comes out of your mouth. And the next amazement was, is that they will understand and forgive you. If you have a friend that can do that, I promise you, they're not greater than God. God wants to hear you. The scriptures say, he says, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Come and reason with me is what God says. So let's take a look at her prayer. There is no one holy like you or like the Lord. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside you. Now, if you read this in Hebrew, it sounds kind of weird because it's saying, you know, God, um, you won the race, but there was nobody in the race but you. Okay? If I told my wife, you're the prettiest one in in this room today, and there was only her in there, that might not sound very good. So it sounds a little weird, so we got to dig a little bit deeper to find out what the Jews meant by this. So let's take it a step at a time. There is no one on God's level, is what she's made in the first part of that. There's no one as true as you are God. If you're like me, something's true or it's not true, but that's not what the rabbis say. No, there's truer than true. What do you mean? They ask, do you believe in dreams? Have you ever had a dream? Well, sure, I've had a dream. I've had a dream. Everybody's had a dream. Someone we don't remember. Someone we choose to forget, like the ones running through your old high school in your underwear. Have you ever done that? I have. Okay, you forget those. But dreams are something that you thought them, you dreamed them. They seemed real. Are they real? Well, yeah, in a way they are real. But they have no independence of their own. No independent existence. Because if we take away your thoughts and you, there's no dream anymore. So you are more real than the dreams that you dream. And just like that independence existence, you and I don't exist except that we were created by the holy, true God. He can exist independently. We cannot. And so what Hannah is saying is God is so great that he is the foundation for everything. That's what that verse, the part of that verse means. He's the only holy true God. There is no one as true as God. Then we go to the second part. Well, the first part is there's no one holy like the Lord. She's using third person there. She's talking about God far away, far away. There's no one as true as God. He's the truest of all. It's hard to approach on that. But the second part of that, she does something different. There's no one besides you. She comes to second person now. She's coming closer to God. She's talking to God in that prayer. Could God know you? Psalm says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God knows you better than you know yourself. Than any friend, than any parent, than any child, than any spouse. God knows you inside out. So, of course, you can come close to God. Of course, God's going to listen to you. The thing I think that's amazing about her prayer is when she prayed to God, she was able to leave the temple that day and go home and eat. She had let it out. She poured it out, and she felt great. But she didn't have an assurance of a child at that point. This is the prayer after the child. You're great, God, and I can come close to you. 
There is no rock like our God. Through Him, John tells us, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He is the foundation from which all things come. He is the only existence that can independently exist. He is the foundation. So as we look at her prayer that became the paradigm for prayer for the Jews, there's no one holy like God. No one is true as God. He is unbelievable in his existence. But there's no one besides you that can understand me, God, because you are my source. I flow from you. And you are the rock, the only rock that's the foundation for everything. She has encapsulated everything about how great God is and how personal he is in that one little sentence there. One thing I'll add to it, we know about our Savior. From Isaiah, it says, He, Jesus, poured out His life unto death. He poured it out to God, just like Hannah did, and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many for everyone in the world. The Scriptures tell us on the night He was betrayed that He poured out His heart so much to God in such a way that He actually sweat drops of blood. Now he did exactly what Hannah did. He poured out his heart to God. And so I want to suggest to you today that you pour out your heart to God. Let God know every little thing that has bothered you. Don't hold anything back from God. He knows anyway. And as you do, God will listen to you. You will not only feel better and, be, and start healing in your life, but you will understand as you go down that path that God is the only one that can truly understand you. So pour out your heart like Hannah did.